Episode 4 of the Volley Chief Podcast. This is Chief Leonard. Very exciting episode because this is my first guest episode. So I, uh, I decided to make it simple and go back to the person who forced me into this. And uh, I'm here with Mike Wittick. I'll let him introduce himself in a moment. But uh, the background is I began preaching the volunteer command and the use of an aid and all that so much that Mike finally told me I should probably put my money where my mouth is. And... Uh, I should do this as a, a program, and I presented it last year and this year at the uh, Fire Pro Expo at Foxwoods Casino. It's every October, usually around Halloween time. Phenomenal conference, uh, well-attended conference, good. You know, it, it started out as a local conference, but now it's gaining a lot of traction. So, uh, you know, Mike suggested that I put this class out, and that's kind of how we're here. So uh, I'll let Mike introduce himself. Uh, like you said, I'm Mike Wittick. I'm Captain of Marine Division for the uh, Storm Engine Company Ambulance and Rescue Corps. That's a mouthful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mike, he's been a member of the fire department since? Beginning of time. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think he changed a horseshoe or two. Yeah. Um, when did you join? 1976. 76. Now, if you remember a couple episodes ago, I was mentioning the older uh, instructors at the, the storms and, and how, you know, one of the reasons the storms is such a good volunteer firehouse is because... Of those guys, Mike's one of those guys. You know, they, they at a very young age, kind of became students of the job, and they uh, pushed training and education, and it led to them pushing us to, to be the next generation. So there's a lot of us out there that don't like to admit it, but Mike was instrumental in, uh, in helping us. And he, he's a little bit modest. You know, he's, he's in charge of our Marine Division. Uh, he was a member of the fire department, like you said. He's a retired police officer. He was actually a sniper for the police department. He's got a, a lot of credit. Uh, he's a lot of instructor, a lot of lot of training hours under his belt. So, I'll, I'll say he's being a little bit modest, but we know he's not like me. He can't talk about himself for an hour every every week. But uh, but like Mike said, he's in charge of our water rescue. It's a it's a very coveted position. Derby situated at the confluence of two rivers. Uh, if you want to give a brief des- description of what we have for assets, we have uh, two Carolina skiffs that we use. We use those because they're affordable. Uh, they take a beating, and us being a volunteer organization, we don't usually have the funds or the luxury of having nice, fancy vessels. Uh, but honestly, you don't need them. Uh, they, they serve our purposes very well. And we also have a 19-foot inflatable that we uh, recently got, re- replacing the older one. And that, again, is, is really good. That stays on a rescue, and that's available for, you know, we could deploy that quickly or areas where you can't get a, a hard-bottom boat in. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we, we do a lot of water calls here in Derby. You know, again, it, we, we sit at two rivers, summertime comes, everyone's out in the water. Yeah, not to mention the reservoirs. Yeah, so, right, which, yeah, yeah. And, and you're very familiar with those. So, uh, you know, the, the, the water rescue and water is kind of part of us. So I, I figure with this time of year, especially for those of us who listen up in the northern part of the country, it's getting cold. I mean, we, we've, we've had some frost already. So, uh, you know, Mike handles all of our water rescue, which, which encompasses surface water and ice rescue. 
he's been an instructor for a long time for ice rescue and, and he's kind of in this area our go-to guy for that so like mike like what would you say like to prepare for the winter like how, how what would you recommend that at this point a department should be probably already have done or in the process of doing just like you said have already done or in the process you know when you have your drills if you're a volley house and you, you meet once a week or you know whatever your drill schedule is not a bad time to start pulling out your suits your exposure suits checking them you know the integrity of them waxing the zippers making sure that all your liners are snapped in place ready to go um, you know check them for holes for leaks uh, you know make sure the neoprene is in good shape whatever you use for flotation or a rope you know pull them out of the bag check it uh, you know it's not something you use all the time during the summer so you know it, make sure your equipment is squared away now getting ready to to train and getting ready for any potential rescues on the line and mike do you what do you use as kind of your gauge for when you should start switching over to your cold water response uh 70 degree temperature 70 degree water uh you know it, it listen you could be in 80 degree water in the summertime but if you stay in it long enough you can get hypothermic in that too so it's uh i guess uh 70 70 is probably a good judge that's a good one yeah, yeah that's yeah. What, i mean it's, it's, a, it's an industry standard though correct yeah, wow <laughs> isn't it though i mean I'm, I believe I'm, it is, yeah. yeah so so yeah I, you know again up here in new england it's it's getting cold you get down you know even if you start heading down a little bit farther south you get into like the mid-atlantic region it's still you know the water temperature is rapidly dropping uh the days are getting colder and shorter so yeah i agree and i i think one of the biggest mistakes most uh, departments make when it comes to the is zipper maintenance on the suit yes you know and and it's 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 something simple because it's not an expensive maintenance cost right i mean a little paraffin wax is all right a little bit of wax you yeah. wax it and you yep. zip up the suit and and from years of dealing with the suits you know the amount of zippers that i've seen either break or have problems with or just be stuck a lot of times that that's it it's just that preventive maintenance of the wax and, and like you said you use them for the winter and then you throw them in a closet all summer and nobody remembers them. And then now this time of year, you pull them out and you open the bag up and now you're trying to pull the zipper. But yeah, definitely, uh, you know, I think that's probably one of the best maintenance tips is the, the zipper is kind of. Yeah. And you know yourself when you don't zip it up all the way and you do that first drill in that cold water. and Yeah. You, it, 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 yeah. You take take it a little water. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> the cold, it's painful. Yeah. So w- would you say, I, you know, surface ice rescue? You know, where, where would you put that? It is, you know, it, for us up here in the Northeast, it's, it's kind of pretty simple. You know, what do you think? I, it, it, it is because it's in our wheelhouse, but it doesn't make it any less dangerous um, or, or risky. And, you you know, you have to make that judgment call. It's, you have to be able to say go, no go. You know, whether, you know, the Coast Guard uses the GAR scale. I, I, I kind of like that. I think you have to apply that to anything. And, and you have to make a decision. Sometimes it could be a painful decision. It, it's in our nature to always go, go, go at any risk. But, you, you know, you also have to think of your members. Now, now with that, right, here's kind of something we could talk about. I've, I've always, we've always had the argument about animal rescues, right? And now there's, there's two sides to the coin, correct? Yep. yep. One side is, I, you, you know, it's an animal. We're not going to risk a person for it. But historically, the problem with that is, if it's a dog, if it's a domestic animal, and the fire department says, "Up, oh, sorry, we can't do it," and they start packing up to leave, someone's going to get that dog. Absolutely right. You know, for any dog owners out there, if you call somebody for help and they say no, you know, you know, in your heart of hearts, you're going to go out and do what you can for that dog. Right, and I, I think that's something that, like you said, when you take that go no go or what's the risk level, 
yeah, it's just a dog, but I can tell you the minute you turn your back, you know, the owner, the, 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 you know, the kids, someone's going to try to go get that, that animal. And now you're going to come back, and I hate to say it, it's, you're going to look doubly bad because first you didn't help the animal, and second, you know, now you got a, a human in danger, and their response is going to be, well, the fire department didn't do anything. They were here. Yeah. And, and some of that might, you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking, you know, maybe some of that could be mitigated by educating the public early. You know, this time of year, get out in front of it and just say, hey, listen, if you're out there walking with your dog and, and there's a potential for them to get out on the ice, put them on a leash. You know, just kind of stop it from happening if you can. You're not going to be able to stop all of it, but, you know, you take the wins when you get them, you know. Right. And then uh, as far as the, the incident command side of things, like what, what do you think are some key factors that incident commanders either miss or need to know for handling ice rescues or, or cold water emergencies? Well, you you, you know, you have to know your members. Um, and, you know, guilty as charged when I was younger, I never thought of this. But as you get older and, and you know, you have kids and you start to think and, and you start to value, your values change a little bit. Um, you know, one, physical conditioning. You, people underestimate the exertion that you put on yourself when you're out there in a suit and you're either paddling out on a, like a, one of the Marsar boards or one of any other rescue device out there. It's exerting. And then you get in that water. Now you have the pressure of the water. You have the excitement. Uh, if it's multiple victims and you're, you know, you're back and forth, even for the crew on shore, pulling that line. So many people underestimate, you know, you have 100 yards of line out or 100 feet of line out and you're pulling it through that slush. I could put, I could put a you know, full bag of line out and put it in slushy ice and you're going to have a hard time pulling it with no load on the end only because of the amount of friction. So, you know, things like that are underestimated. Um, you know, the other thing as far as, like, crew goes, have have an ambulance standing by just for your crew. Have, you know, ambulance for the victims, but have an ambulance dedicated just for your crew members. I think that's overlooked a lot of times. And now I know, I know so Mike and I have debated a lot about is is the, you know, if you're out in a boat, if it's a, uh, you know, offshore rescue, you're out in a vessel, what, what should everyone in the vessel be wearing? Because, you know, you, you see it time and time again, right? You see pictures on the, the trade magazines, on the Internet. You'll see in the middle of the winter, you know, the boat, the two guys going to do the rescue are, are in Mustang suits. They're ready to go. And the boat operators in, you know, jeans and a winter jacket. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what do you think about that? Or what, do you, what would you recommend? So, you know, anybody who's going to go in the water, absolutely, you know, a Mustang suit or a uh, dry suit, you know, whatever your department has at that point. But just remember... Uh, flotation. You know, Mustang suit is not going to have, you know, and I, I say Mustang suit, it could be any for first watch, any of those. The flotation is reduced when you don't have the liner, and so, so you need to keep that in mind. Um, but the boat operator should have uh, insulated coveralls. Yeah, this way their, their feet are clear, you know, and, and you need to put them on properly. That's the main thing. If you don't put it on the correct way, if you don't put your PFD on correctly, you might as well not have it um, because it, it actually is a hindrance. Uh, you know, you go in without your PFD snapped, it's going to float up in the back. It's going to be hard to, to get that, especially when you hit that cold water. A lot of, a lot of things are going to go on, uh, you know, within your body. But those cold water exposure suits, cinch them up at the ankles, cinch them up at the wrists, zip them correctly. So if you do go in, you have that barrier. You're not flushing that cold water across your body. But it still allows you to operate. You have neoprene gloves so you're, you know, you can still operate the wheel, operate the controls, and, and whatever the case is there. Uh, but the guys going in the water, girls... Um, you know, Mustang suits, Mustang suits at, at a minimum. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's a, a very manpower intense rescue. It's very laborious rescue, and and they're you know I I I feel like they're getting more and more frequent. It uh, seems to be yeah. We're getting called for different calls. You know, it, not only the volume is increasing, but the variety of why you're going there is 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 increasing. Right. I mean, the, you know, several years ago we had a, a I call it cold water where we had a person fall off our train trestle. Yeah. Across the bridge and, you know, going in the Shetland. And they were actually, they, you know, you talk, I don't know if you call it luck or not luck, but they landed at low tide uh, on the rocks around the, the train trestle. So the person was, it was, they were out of the water, so it technically wasn't a water rescue, but you had to get to them by boat. And, you know, as simple as that sounds, the members got out there. Thankfully, the two members that, that left the boat to treat the victim were both in cold water suits. Yes. Uh, but again, one of them slipped on a wet rock. I believe he got a concussion. Right. Um, so you know, just thought about this too when you said that your, your headgear. You know, our our bags have we have the helmets for every suit. Um, I, I think he he had his helmet on and he he just he whacked his grape hard enough that it, you know he rung his bell. Right. Um, I mean, fortunately, there's nothing in there. I mean, we know who yeah. it was and yeah, yeah. you know it. it I felt bad for the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt bad for the rock. So. Uh, but yeah, that, that's you know, and again, it's it's different. Oh. But you know, you you just brought up a thought. That rescue, it, we had a choice, right? It was either going to be a rope rescue from a tra- train trestle or water rescue, and that was the lesser of the two evils. But that's kind of where your pre-planning comes in too. Uh, you know, now's a good time of year. You're looking for something to do on a Sunday. Hop in the truck, go around, check it out, okay, and, and pick a spot. Just hey, if somebody's here, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna approach from this side of the riverbank or that side of the riverbank? Or are we gonna do the rope rescue? Or are we gonna take, do it from a boat? Um, you know, those are just things that you. By having that discussion, it's not a surprise for you on the day of that you do get that call. Right, because we we joke, right? In all the years that most of us have been in our towns, and all the years, nobody's put a new river in. That's true. Right? Nobody's put a new river in, maybe, you know, a new retaining pond, but there's been no new rivers, no new lakes, you know, anything like that. It's, it's kind of been there. So the, the excuse of not knowing how to access it or even knowing, you know, the, the I'm trying to think of the word, but like the local names for things. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you take our area here in Derby, you know, the, the, our old fire school, a lot of people refer to it as, the, you know, Fire Island or... You know, you'll use Sullivan's Island, oh, Sullivan's yeah. Island, or, yeah. you know, know all the names like like that's almost another like drill you could do is to take your map of your city and start pointing out these local nicknames of yeah. areas of places. You know, uh, Mike and I way, way back, Mike, we used to work as lake patrol officers on the upper part of the river where there's a lake. And, you know, you right, you think about just that section of the river. You yep. had Makani's Grove, Pink House Cove, the Maples, uh, Indian Neck. We're just knowing the shallow water. You, you right, no, yes. The dam, you, there's only one section of the river you can navigate with by boat. Otherwise, you you know, you see all the paint from everyone's engines and, um, you know, from running aground. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we talk about pre-planning, and it, it, it applies on the water. You know, if, if you know how to get the boats in and out, where you can get the boats. I mean, we've had calls where we've had neighboring towns. And they're calling us to say, hey, we have to put a boat in the water. Like, do you have a spot? Like, you know, it's a river. You should know kind of where the ins and outs are and how to get to it. And, and to that point, you know, if you if you don't, if you want to do a drill and you want to do it in a firehouse one night, get together where you could bring up a Google map of your town. And you'd be surprised. Our neighboring town, Ansonia Seymour, they have the uh, the quarries. Right. And there's, there's quarries in people's backyards. And there's quarries that the average person, especially now over time, houses have been sold people have moved in 
they probably don't even know they exist. But you as a first responder, when you're you know, tasked to perform that rescue in that area, do you even know it exists? And if, if when you do get called there, have you pre-planned it? What's my access point going to be? Can I even access it there? Um, like the reservoirs up here, we thought about mutual aid for brush fires and all other stuff is creating a grid system so that, you know, in, in our town, if it's grid A1, in the next town, it's also grid A1. Right, yeah, so, so we... are talking the same language. Right, we, we've... And what, we've, what we're talking about is we have a reservoir system that uh, is mostly in Derby. It, it, Correct. It, it brushes Ansonia, and we had somebody going through... We were getting these brush fires, and it was getting confusing on the radio because, you know, I know this as, you know, this, you know whatever hollow, this person knows it. So we came up with a grid system, and we, we just sat down with the neighboring department, made a map, and literally A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4. So that way, if we had an incident, and again, it's something local, but we shared it with our dispatch center. The members use it, and it, it, it's a simple idea to solve a problem. Even if it's just quadrants, even if it's not multiple grids, just keep it so that you know everybody's in the same area. Right. But but again, that's you know pre-planning those areas, reservoirs. Sometimes you have to walk through a quarter mile of woods to be, to get to the body of water. How are you going to do that? Are you going to put your suits on before you get in there? Hopefully not, because you puncture them on sticks or whatever the case is. Uh, you know, and once you get the victim, how are you going to get them out? You know, half the problem is only solved at that point. Right, that and and so years ago we we still had a dive team, and prior to us getting rid of the dive team, that was an issue we came across. Right, we we had to make a, a dive, in an area that wasn't accessible really by vehicle, and it led to us having to to carry a lot of equipment over a big yeah. distance. So we actually went down to our local Home Depot, and uh, you know they're a good deal. And in a lot of smaller towns and volunteer departments, go to your local stores. You know yeah. you'd be amazed what they'll give you. And we actually got a couple job boxes, the, the wheelable big husky job boxes with the big wheels in the back. So this way we, we were able to put equipment in those. So the next time we have an incident where somebody's got to walk all the equipment in, you could throw it in there. You know, and obviously nowadays you have UTVs, uh, four-wheel drive vehicles, stuff like that that you could throw it in. But there are, like you said, there are some times where, you know, to quote Indiana Jones, we walk from here. Yeah. And, and, and don't underestimate the, the need for like a roof ladder. Or and sometimes even an extension ladder. Uh, in an, in another life of mine, you will use hard hat divers, and the only way they're going to access the body of water because there's the rocky ledge is they'll we put an extension ladder down, and the divers will actually walk down the extension, even though it's a, it's it's a, an embankment, it's not you know vertical. They'll use that ladder because it's sure footed in this. It's uh, you could pull a Stokes up there if you had to, and it's just a good uh, entry and exit point to the water. Now, Mike, what about uh, shore operations? So you know the the, we all agree that any type of technical rescue, the biggest problem you have is, is how close people get. Yeah, it's you a know, so, so, yeah. So, so talk about that for a little bit. So you, you and I both agree on this. So, you know, whenever we say um, hot, warm, and cold zone, we instantly think of hazmat, right? But I like to apply that to any scene. You know, thank you, hazmat, for bringing that to us. But in, in especially water rescue, if you have the potential to get wet, whether that's step in the water or even slide down a steep embankment into the water, that should be considered the hot zone. Anybody in the hot zone must be wearing a PFD and be wearing it correctly. And then you're going to have your warm zone where your support staff is going to be, and uh, and then your cold zone. And cold zone is going to be where your media is going to be, and and so on. And um, you know, one thing to think about, and, and a lot, of, I think this is overlooked a lot is if somebody's, if this is an extended operation and you're going to start having family members show up, 
have a place for them, have a, a private place for them, offer them, you know, creature comforts, uh, you know, make sure there's a place where they can be insulated from media, uh, maybe, you know, some something warm to drink if it's a, a winter operation, and, uh, you know, just, just help them through the process. Right, because we, we actually experienced that. We, we did have an incident. Yeah. Uh, body of water, the family showed up, and, you know, the, the, it was a, it was a, a teenager, a, a kid, and we, we had to figure out, you know, that it, it was a long time frame that the kid was under, it was obvious that it wasn't going to be a resuscitation, and the you know you're we were trying to work with the family standing over us. Uh, we were in another town, so it wasn't you know we can control as much as we could, but yeah, that that's a phenomenal point. And, and don't overlook your support from law enforcement because you you someone from the public may be watching your operation, and in their mind or you know their opinion, you may not be doing enough fast enough. And they're going to decide to be like a rogue rescuer, uh, freelance or whatever themselves. You need to have to control that because now you're starting to tax your system because if they go in and they fall through the ice or, or get you know become a compromised swimmer, that's now that now that's another rescue you have to perform. Um, you know, so just just kind of you got to have a, your head on a swivel and, and and be aware of that stuff going on. And then um, another lovely topic in the water rescue world that you know I like to talk about. Uh, your thoughts on turnout gear and near the water with it? I, if you're near the water, you shouldn't have it. Right. It, and, it's yeah. And that's something that Mike and I we we both agree on. But you know, and I get it. In the winter time, a lot of times at night, you know, that's your your force of habit, right? Your muscle memory is to put your gear on, put your gear on. I, I don't believe in in turnout gear near the water. You know, technically it's supposed to float, uh, but you know, it, it's just a hindrance and. It, I, and I get it. A lot of times these calls are, are in the cold, hence the reason we're, we're wearing cold water stuff. But I, I just think that, you know, members need to be prepared to be outdoors long duration and, and not rely on turnout gear. I, I agree. Uh, you know, if it's, a, if it's a small vessel, you know, you know, run about 19, 20 foot, whatever you name it. By the time you get there and do anything, it, that's destroyed. It's going to burn to the water line. And if you're in a dock and it's going to catch other vessels on fire... Cut the lines and push it free, and then just get out of there. Uh, but y- your idea of uh, the water ret-, ret team, I think that's a great idea. Dude. Yeah. So we, you know, we had an incident one time. We had a, a boat fire, and uh, I, you know, I was the safety officer for the incident, and I, I requested another company in suits, in case one of the members went in. So we kind of called it like the water uh, ret team, just just in case, you know. Yeah. So you had the ret team in case a firefighter got trapped in the boat, but I also had a ret team in case someone slipped off the dock and. Uh, you know, again, I, I just I get leery about gear, and especially at a, uh, in the winter at, a, at an ice rescue. If you look, you know, every firefighter standing around the edge of the, the water is usually wearing gear, and uh, and then of course half of them don't have their life jackets on or who's wearing it, but it's not buckled. But uh, you know, it's a little attention to detail that when something goes wrong, you, makes the big difference. Yeah. And and I'm jumping back a little bit, but I, I feel this is important. You asked about incident commanders and other things to think about is you know you got somebody in a cold water exposure suit and they're out on the, out in the water or on the ice whatever they're in the body of water and they're on that line and and they come back in and they you know it's successful they bring the victim in they get him on a stokes or, or whatever they get him into the bus and everybody they're all concentrating on the victim at this point don't forget your rescuer if you're a line tender and you're assigned to rescuer one two or blue red however you assign it in your department 
the line tender needs to remember that's your responsibility. There's people to handle the victim once they get there. And if there's not, then you as an incident commander need to bring more people in. But you can't forget the rescuer. And I highly recommend once they come off the ice or out of the water, have them evaled by yeah. EMS because their, their blood pressure is going to be stoked. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to be pumped. And, and, you know, like you said, get an ambulance for them. Get them somewhere warm. Get them where they can get the suit off. They can kind of just decompress for a few minutes. So, Yeah, that's very important. they they got to come down from that. Yeah, you know. You know. So, uh, so that's it. Like I said, Mike Wittick, captain from the Storm Ambulance. Uh, been a member of the fire department for a very long time now. Uh, eight tracks were a thing when he joined. Plectrons were a thing when he joined. Vinyl. Vinyl. There yeah. you go. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Mike, I thank you. Now, Mike's going to come back because, uh, you know, again, since he made me do this, I'm going to make him do it. Uh, we're we're going to do a couple more episodes probably coming up soon. Um, you know, Mike's law enforcement background and, and – Stuff that we've done together, we'll probably we're going to be doing a, a volunteer response to active shooter episode, and then I'll probably make them come back once in a while too, just to, especially in the springtime when we're getting close to warm water. So uh, that's it. I want to thank you for joining me. Don't forget to like and share and subscribe. Click on the links below so that uh, I keep popping up in your feed. And uh, remember, it's the volley underscore chief on Instagram. If you want to be on the show, if you have questions, it's the volley chief at gmail.com. Have a good night, and we'll see you at the big one.